Welcome to episode 7 of the Anaya podcast. I'm Amy, the co-marketing team lead here. And here at Anaya, our mission is to create a platform for Asian youth to share their unique stories and perspectives, as well as to explore what it means to live in our society as an Asian North American. There are many facets to the question, what does it mean to be an Asian North American? But one that has drawn particularly brightly during the start of the COVID-19 pandemic has been the discrimination AAPI have faced in North America. In this podcast, the team here at Anaya will be sharing short TLDRs of issues faced by Asian North Americans. Timestamps will be available in the description for if you want to skip to a particular section. We hope that you learn something new and are inspired to take action after this. And without further ado, here's Jessica talking about the discrimination that stemmed from the emergence of COVID-19 from China, as well as Ethan exploring the history of the China Exclusion Act. Anti-Asian racism has always existed in North America, but since the pandemic, overt and violent anti-Asian hate crime has been on the rise. This racism is fueled by xenophobia and the search for a scapegoat to blame the pandemic on. The situation is further exasperated by racist rhetoric and degradatory language in the media. Former U.S. President Donald Trump's use of the term Chinese virus and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's use of Wuhan virus are two well-known examples. The New York Times reports that in 2020, hate crimes against people of Asian descent rose at a faster rate than overall hate crimes. In New York City alone, the number of hate crimes with Asian American victims reported jumped to 28 in 2020, up from 3 in 2019. The CBC reports in Toronto, anti-Asian hate crimes spiked to 15 in 2023 in 2019. North America has had a long history of barring those from Asian countries to immigrate and discriminating against those who had already come over. In the 19th century, plenty of Chinese workers immigrated to California to work in the gold rush. There, they faced heavy discrimination and later, the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 was passed which prohibited all immigration of Chinese workers. In Canada, the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1923 achieved a similar goal. During World War II, as many as 120,000 Japanese Americans were forcibly relocated into internment camps. In Canada, 90% of Japanese Canadians were incarcerated into similar camps. Chinese Americans tried to distance themselves from the Japanese, eventually forming a strategy that utilized the model minority stereotype to their benefit. Chinese organizations embraced the myth and touted Chinese people as educated, hardworking, law-abiding citizens, which eventually led to the repealing of the Chinese Exclusion Act in 1943. This was only a a small snippet of the challenges that Asian Americans have faced, both as a group and within. It is critical to teach and inform everybody on the historical struggle of Asian Americans and to avoid making the same mistakes as before. Here's Jessica discussing hate crimes and Alina covering the Stop Asian Hate rallies and increased media coverage of xenophobia. Yuan's family is from Montreal, Quebec. In Montreal, police say that hate crimes and incidents against the Asian community saw a spike last year in 2020. Many of those incidents are related to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Montreal police also noted that there were 30 racist acts reported between March and December 2020, which is five times more than 2019. Furthermore, the Center for Research Action on Race Relations noted that in Canada, only up to a maximum of 10% of hate crimes are reported by the victims to the police. This shows that the number of hate crimes and assaults are likely greater than 30. 
We Canadians sometimes like to believe that racism is something far away that only exists in the U.S., but these numbers and UN's story show that racism is very close to home. Since the start of the pandemic, there has been a surge in anti-Asian discrimination and violence around the world. Before COVID, Asian American activism hadn't been as widely covered as other social justice movements, but now the response to the surge in xenophobia speaks out against the law-enduring anti-Asian racism in North America. Especially after the deadly Atlanta spa shooting in March 2021, Stop Asian Hate rallies received wider media coverage and participation across North America as politicians, celebrities, and advocates speak out against anti-Asian violence. Meanwhile, following the Atlanta spa shooting, hundreds and thousands of people took to the streets in major cities like Toronto, Montreal, New York, Washington, Chicago, and San Francisco to demonstrate against anti-Asian violence. The Stop Asian Hate movement is gaining attention and momentum, and it is up to all of us to ensure Asian voices are heard and changes are made. Next, here's Ethan explaining the model minority myth and me talking about anti-Asian hate in the workplace. Due to the perceived success of Asian immigrants, many of us fall prone to what is known as the model minority stereotype. Asians are seen as hardworking, educated, and touted as a shining example of how immigrants should behave. Many groups in power have wielded this stereotype as a weapon against other less successful minorities. Historically, the model minority stereotype has been used in response to the civil rights movement. White institutions pitting marginalized communities against each other instead of addressing the systematic disadvantages that both groups face. In addition, the model minority treats Asians as a monolith when we are an incredibly diverse group. The Pew Research Center found that the median Filipino household income was $90,000 a year whereas the Nepalese household median was only $55,000 a year. Treating Asians as a monolith through the model minority stereotype results in less help and services for less privileged Asians. When we think of anti-Asian racism, we may often picture a street attack in America, but in reality, hate is spreading all around the world, especially in the workplace. In Australia, 66% of Asian Australians experience racism in the workplace, an increase of 15% since the start of the pandemic. Employment rates and working hours have also dropped significantly. But it's not only because of COVID. Many previous studies show that Asians are the least promoted ethnic group, and this glass ceiling is largely due to the model minority myth and other anti-leader stereotypes. Asians are portrayed as educated and successful, not as an underrepresented minority and therefore not given much attention in management diversity programs. To combat this, we need to collect evidence and raise awareness on the issue. And we also need to provide more opportunities for Asian employees to work on their leadership and strategic skills, not only technical skills. Here's Madison on xenophobic Asian stereotypes and representation in the media, as well as the difference between cultural appropriation versus appreciation. The many stereotypes surrounding Asians, such as the model minority myth, have led to both inaccurate portrayals of Asians in Western media and significant underrepresentation. 
For instance, the narrative that all Asians are shy and math geniuses has created the trend of the quirky, nerdy Asian sidekick character. Though this is arguably an improvement from overly offensive stereotypes like the mysterious Asian woman that's a martial arts master in older Hollywood films, tropes like these still erase the individuality of Asians and continue to perpetuate harmful and inaccurate stereotypes. Also, Asians continue to be significantly underrepresented in Western media. A 2018 study by the University of Southern California's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism showed Asian Americans representing only 1% of all leading roles in Hollywood. Most Asian cast members are tokenized as the diversity roles, and many white actors are often casted to play Asian characters, like Tilda Swinton's role as the Ancient One in Doctor Strange, who was depicted as a Tibetan monk in the comics. Although there has been some progress with representation, such as Marvel's new film, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, there is still a lot that needs to be done when it comes to accurate portrayals and true representation of the Asian community, both on and off screen. Cultural appropriation can be defined as taking elements from another culture without acknowledging and respecting its significance. In the fashion industry, countless brands and celebrities face backlash for wrongfully picking and choosing cultural elements and profiting off of it or using it as an aesthetic. Appropriation can also reinforce stereotypes or skewed perceptions of certain cultures, and it ultimately uses cultural elements in a way that conflicts with their intended purpose. An example of this could be Katy Perry's geisha-inspired AMA's performance with a modified cutout kimono and heavily powdered makeup. In contrast, cultural appreciation is when someone seeks to learn more about another culture and does it in a respectful manner that credits its origins. People who truly want to appreciate a culture are always respectful to members of that culture and their traditions, and they participate only when given permission to do so. An example of this is Rihanna's gown at the 2015 Met Gala that properly honored Chinese culture with the Beijing-based designer Guo Pei. While researching about Chinese couture, Rihanna and her stylist went directly to her, demonstrating exactly how to properly honor another culture without destroying its historical and cultural significance. Lastly, I'll comment on affirmative action and Alina will review the effects of anti-Asian hate crimes on mental health. Affirmative action are policies aimed to increase opportunities for underrepresented parts of society. They were first established to address past discrimination against minority groups and create more diverse schools and workplaces representative of the real world. A well-known example is the Harvard admissions case, where different races were held to different standards during the application process, namely Asians. A 2009 Princeton study showed that Asians had to score 140 points higher on the SAT than whites to be admitted to America's top universities. Yet, 70% of Asian Americans support affirmative action, because when we take a holistic and long-term view, a more diverse, educated, and executive population benefits us all. And it's not the biggest threat to Asians, because legacy and athletic preferences are. However, is it really right to group everyone from East Asia into one category? Some immigrants come from wealthy and educated backgrounds while others do not. And what about cultural and social differences? There are many nuances that need to be addressed, so where do you stand?
Even before the Atlanta spa shooting, the AAPI community faced a 149% rise in hate crimes since the start of the pandemic. Psychologists discovered that anti-Asian hate crimes and discrimination leads to increases in anxiety, depressive symptoms, and sleep problems among those targeted. However, getting help isn't always straightforward. Asian Americans are three times less likely to seek treatment, help, or mental health services than other ethnicities, partly due to the cultural bias against it and the model minority myth. Furthermore, according to a survey conducted in April 2021 by Harris Poll, 39% of Asian Americans say that experiencing di discrimination had a negative impact on their friendships and sense of self, which could be critical to helping Asian Americans feel supported at work and in school. While there is increased focus on the AAPI experience following the rise in anti-Asian hate crimes from the pandemic, researchers say that it won't be easy to reverse decades of relative invisibility in the fight for racial justice.